Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer training programs for CSMs and customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. I have to say, I'm very excited about our guest today. Shane Metcalf is the VP of Customer Success at 15.5, a company that I have admired for years. They have a fantastic product that helps keep employees engaged with managers and provides a platform for performance management and communication. I was a customer of theirs for years, and I'm honored to say that they are now a customer of the Success League. I first met Shane through the emails that their system sent out when you signed up for their system. So it was pretty great. And finally, we connected in person at CS100 event in Sundance this past year. So Shane, welcome and thanks for agreeing to be on the podcast today. Thanks, Kristen. Really good to be here today and excited to dive into one of my favorite topics about uh, employee success as the precursor to customer success. That's awesome. And I'm excited to hear more about that. Can you give us, before we get started, a little bit of background on yourself and how you landed in customer success? And then also, I'd love to hear more about 15.5 and the company's mission. Yeah. So I have a, had a very nonlinear path. I, I, I definitely <laughs> would not consider it a traditional career path into customer success. I really think that I learned customer success from the six years I worked in restaurants when I was a teenager. From 14 to 19, I worked in the service industry. And so much of what I've learned in the service industry, I have actually been able to apply at, in my role in customer success. Because I think it really, you know, that's if we bring it back to the basics, it's about delivering great service and having our attention on helping people have a great experience. And there's Absolutely. so many, more, so many yeah. more distinctions that come out of that. But I really think that my training in the restaurant industry prepared me well. The other, you know, kind of strange path that I went on is I somehow found myself doing executive coaching. And so I was working with a lot of executives and founders and leadership teams helping to build organizational health and uncover and get people to really essentially tell the truth to each other to be bringing more transparency and having more difficult conversations. And so when we started 15 and 5, a funny little story is that, you know, we were like, okay, well, what's what's my title other than co-founder? And I was like, oh, I'm going to be a director of customer success. And I genuinely thought that I was original in coming up with the name. <laughs> and uh, I was very disappointed when I realized that I was actually – an entire industry. It was a thing. <laughs> yeah, you didn't invent that. I know. I, I really thought for a moment that I had invented customer success. So Yeah. Well you can you can take credit for it. A lot of different people take credit for it. So you know, it's okay. Well it's cool. <laughs> okay. I mean, it is cool to that it's still such this young nascent field. And I think that there is there's so much innovation and so many people are still really helping to define what customer success really is. Absolutely. I want to go back to what you said about your time in food service too, because I think that's so important to highlight. That's one of the things that I always look for when I'm hiring people in customer success is somebody who's either worked in food service or retail because I and was successful in that field. Because I feel like if you've done that and you've been successful, you know exactly how to deal with everybody. You've seen every kind of person come into your restaurant or come into your store. And I think that's such an important 
uh, piece of experience to have, even if it was back in high school. One of my successes in the food industry is I, I was once offered a job because I spilled a glass of orange juice on somebody's white shirt. <laughs> That's the trick. So, you know, <laughs> like, you know, here I was, I in absolute terror of just spilling a glass of orange juice on some poor gentleman's shirt. And somebody was watching and they observed how I handled it, the interaction, and they actually offered me a job right after that moment because they were impressed with how I handled making a mistake. And so I think that uh, it's a it's a cool analogy because we're gonna we're gonna spill the glass of orange juice on our customers. We're yeah. going to make mistakes. Our cust our product is gonna have bugs. We're gonna drop the ball here and there. But it's really how do we respond after something has gotten a little messy? That's really gonna determine whether that's a, a deposit or a withdrawal from our customers' kind of emotional bank account. Absolutely. I think that's a great thing to call out. Uh, before we go further, can you give the audience a little more information on 15.5 and the mission of the company? Yeah, I would love to. So 15.5, our mission is to create the space for people to be their greatest selves. We really believe that businesses and business leaders can operate from a paradigm where they're truly in service to their people, where it's not just, I'm just going to treat my employees as a means to an end, and I'm going to extract as much value out of my people, out of my human resources, and really actually operate from a place of how can I help my people grow and develop and have an extraordinary career and an extraordinary life, and that that is actually the path to achieving high performance, to really unlocking the, the real potential of our teams. And so 15.5 is a, a suite of solutions focused around weekly check-ins, goal measurement and tracking, and quarterly or biannual performance reviews, which we call best self-reviews, because it, it is grounded in a lot of the cutting edge uh, social psychology, positive psychology that is really oriented around how do we actually help people connect with their inherent strengths, their their intrinsic motivations that they have to do a good job and to perform and really leverage that for the good of the whole company. So Shane, I think that really leads into what we were going to talk about today. So when you and I were talking about ideas for this episode, you brought up the idea of how to engage CSMs and help them build their careers in the field of customer success. I'm really passionate about helping people grow in their field and build on their strengths. Why do you think this is such an important topic for leaders? So let's just start with some of the economics. Um, you know, it's always good to lead with some of the numbers. So the yeah. average tech worker right now, their average tenure is 18 months at a company. And so if you start thinking about, you know, this concept of ELTV or employee lifetime value, you know, we all, we all know about CLTV, our customer lifetime value. And that's really one of the primary responsibilities of a customer success manager is increasing the customer lifetime value. Now, if we apply that to employees, we then see that ELTV is really about how much value do they provide to the company at, while they're an employee and how long are they an employee at the company. And right. so by having this orientation of helping people grow and actually getting curious about what people want and curious about who else this person could become, you know, what is their potential? And you actually authentically and sincerely start putting in some structures and systems in place to help people explore those questions. You are going to win their loyalty. You are going to make a profound impact on their life and they are going to stay at your company longer and they are going to contribute more value, more creativity, and more of their genius to your company. I guarantee it. That's awesome. I love that. 
there's a lot of content out there on employee engagement. And I think sometimes this topic can be a little confusing for managers. Is there a particular methodology that you embrace or there's some different ones that you like to think about as you're thinking about employee engagement? There's a lot of different systems out there. Like you said, 15.5, you know, we're in the process of defining and kind of, you know, boiling down to essence what our management philosophy is. There's a couple of key systems that I've used to great effect with 15.5. One of the first kind of mindsets, or excuse me, one of the first frameworks that I would really encourage people to look into is a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And the subtitle is called a new Psycho- The New Psychology for Success. And in this book, she really talks about the research that's gone into understanding fixed mindsets versus growth mindsets. And a fixed mindset is the idea that, well, I'm as smart as I am. I'm as capable as I am. I'm as you know good at uh, sports or math as I am. And that's just kind of who I am. And a growth mindset sees, oh, well, I'm, I'm this good because of the amount of effort that I've put into this discipline. And I think why, why I'm saying that this should be a starting point is that we all walk around with a lot of unexamined mindsets that are often, I, you know, most likely we all have different fixed mindsets. Yeah. And, and if you don't, understand that somebody's operating from a fixed mindset. So say you're you have a CSM and you're super passionate about helping them grow and you're like, "Yes, I'm going to help this person be the best CSM they can be." But if they're operating on a fixed mindset, even on even subconscious levels, you can put in all the effort, you can send them to all the trainings, you can coach them and get them to, you know, do a lot of different exercises, but if they're operating from a fixed mindset, they haven't yet made the choice that they can, let alone that they want to actually grow in those capacities. And so it's so important to really start at the root of mindset and make sure that your people are in a growth mindset and they have some of these distinctions to be able to work with. On top of that, I'm a huge fan of Gallup Strength Finders. I think that me too. Yay. <laughs> yeah. You know your top five? Yes, I do. What are your top five? My uh, top five, okay, activator, maximizer, relator, communication, and futuristic. So I really like thinking about the future and then activating people to go communicate about it. Um, you and I like have that. some similar ones. So my number one is futuristic. And my number two is activator. And then I have achiever, learner, and self-assurance as my other ones. So we share futuristic and activator. That's cool. My favorite ones. Yes. <laughs> no, wonder, no wonder I like you, Kristen. I know. This is why we get so along. Why, am, why, why do I like StrengthsFinder? I think that it's, you know, it, comp- it pairs really nicely with growth mindset because one of the key distinctions is that, you know, these aren't actually like, we don't, we aren't inherently strong at futuristic and activator. Those are just themes and potentials that we have. And we have a nearly unlimited capacity for growth in those domains. Mm -hmm. And so if we really focus on developing these strengths, we have the ability to achieve a level of mastery in these strengths. And so I think a lot of people think, oh, well, those are my strengths. It's like a Meyer-Briggs personality test and I'm an ENFP and that's just who I am. <laughs> but no, it's actually, it's actually a little more to it than that. You actually have to work at it. You still have to put in effort to develop those themes into strengths. And if you can understand somebody's themes, you can then start to understand how to put them in the pathway of experiences and projects that are going to help them develop those strengths. And so I think that it's a really powerful combining of helping somebody understand that they can grow and that they can have 
the level of competence and confidence that they want. And it's up to them. And then also saying, hey, and here's some domains that you have some uh, kind of natural ability or a head start in. And that if you develop those and you maximize them, you are going to really uh, find a kind of, uh, I don't know, what is it? Uh, it's almost like the experience of, of flow at work yeah, and when you're doing yeah. something that you feel like, ah, oh, I was made to do this. Right, right. And I think that that's one of the other considerations here is that in this whole paradigm of, oh, I want to actually help my people grow and develop. I don't, I don't just care about them doing the minimum in their job and checking the boxes and getting a paycheck. And so that I can check my box and get a paycheck, we actually care about people being in the right role and having a deeper level of professional fulfillment. It doesn't mean, oh, let's just go on easy street and all of our work should be effortless. But it does mean that fulfillment should be a priority for every leader and manager. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought up StrengthsFinder. I really love StrengthsFinder. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit more in a minute. Uh, before we do that, let's just say I'm a new manager or the manager of a new team. How do I go about uncovering what my team members want to achieve or how they want to develop their career? So it may not be a very popular answer, but you just need to talk to them. That's it's, easy. It's, you know, you, you would think. And I think that uh, we are, uh, you know, as a culture, we're not that great at just talking to people. It's one of the, I think it's kind of the core art of management and leading is yeah. actually talking to people and not, and this is actually a really good distinction because it's not just talking to people, it's really listening to people. It's, it's being curious and asking them, great, so what do you want? Like, what do you really want out of your career? And then when they actually respond, don't just immediately be uh, coming up with your own responses, but actually practice listening. I mean, I think we, we kind of suck at listening to each other. We're all always, you know, immediately trying to come in with solutions or, you know, we have, we're preoccupied with our own response in our head. And so we're not really present with the person. What... Back in my days of training to be a coach, we would do these, these horrendous exercises where we'd go out for lunch and then the teacher would give us these crazy assignments. And like, I think one of them was we had to go out and ask 10 strangers what they wanted in life. <laughs> That's tough. That's a it, tough it one. Is. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's tough because A, they're strangers, but B, because we don't really, we're not trained in life to really ask people what they want out of life. We kind of, you know, we're trained to be polite and digging in around pe what people really want out of life isn't, it doesn't always feel polite. It, fe it opens up the possibility of, uh, let's say, uh, emotional vulnerability. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's emotional vulnerability is scary especially in a professional setting when people are very concerned about, okay, well, if you're my manager and you're asking me what I want, I need to make sure that I tell you what I think you want to hear. So if, you know, if I'm a SDR and the VP of sales is asking me what I want, I damn well better be saying I want to be an AE, <laughs> whether it's true or not. And so that's part of this, part of the art here is learning how to build enough rapport and trust and authority with your people that you can actually get to the truth of what people want. Yeah. And, and it's dangerous, I will say, because sometimes somebody is going to say, yeah, well, I don't want to be working this job. I actually want to be backpacking in Thailand and I'm not ready to actually commit to a career. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, as a manager, as somebody leading people, I think that why it's worth it to risk uncovering what somebody really wants, even if it might mean them leaving the company or them starting their own company, is that you are going to be infinitely better off of helping people 
be in the role that they really want to be in. And that if they are, if they, if their heart's not in it and they actually wanted to be traveling the world, you're not going to be getting great performance out of them if they're at your company and not doing that, not pursuing their dreams. And so really it's like uncovering those dreams and, and the ideal scenario, really helping them understand how your company can be a vehicle for them to realize their dreams. There's a wonderful book called The Dream Manager, and it's a story of somebody that came into a janitorial services company that had an employee turnover rate of, I think it was about 80%, and that was industry normal. Mm-hmm. And he implemented this program where he started learning about the employee's dreams and then helped them realize them. And turnover went down to just astronomically low numbers because all of a sudden there was a genuine sense that the company cared about their people and cared about their lives beyond just their individual roles. Yeah, I love that. I think that's something that we absolutely do neglect. Um, It's a thing that I try to coach the managers that go through the leadership program that we have at the Success League on. Um, It's something that we recommend be a part of every one-on-one that uh, leaders have with their their team members. It doesn't have to be that very, very deep conversation every single time, but there should be something around career development, I think, every time. And I get so much pushback on that because of all the things you just mentioned, the fact that it can open up the fact that somebody doesn't really want to work there. It, it can open up emotions and we're very um, uncomfortable dealing with emotions at work. It can um, highlight the fact that you haven't maybe been doing a lot of career development up until that point. So it opens up a lot of things for people and, and a lot of people really resist. You know, I, the biggest piece of pushback I get is, well, that means that they're going to say they want a promotion and I'm not ready to give them a promotion yet. And I guess my response to that is, well, wouldn't you rather know that they're thinking they want a promotion than to have that be behind the scenes and you don't know about it? And then they just suddenly leave out of the blue. I guess I always default to wanting to know what's going on. (laughs) You you would think, you know, and again, back to customer success, it's like, if you ask, do you not ask your customers if they're satisfied with your product because they might say that they're dissatisfied and that they're going to churn? <laughs> or do you, do you, would you rather just, you know, um, wait till their contract renewal um, and kind of cl- keep your eyes closed and just keep your fingers crossed that they're going to renew? Or do you want to actually choose reality? Uh, I was at a, I gave a talk at a company the other day and one of their core values was choose reality. And I just love that. And it's really sat with me ever since because that is the choosing reality, really understanding how people are doing and how satisfied, how fulfilled, how competent do they, are they experiencing themselves in that role is choosing reality because until you actually get to what's real, you can't do anything about it. You can't make a difference. You're just operating in a world of, you know, kind of your own mental uh, scenarios and ideas about how something's going, not about how it's actually going. Right. And you're making a lot of assumptions and those could be yeah. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, one, one other thing I want to say about that too, is that I think that it's, you know, you really have to start from a higher level here, which is that you, you need to genuinely care about your people. Yeah. If you if you don't genuinely care about your people, then you know this, this. Then you can probably disregard what we're talking about here, because this is really you know we're a stand for a world where managers and companies really care about their people and their well being and their long term benefit from having worked at your company. And so, if you can start to feel into if that's something you want, then it's like, you know, it's, it's like a seed where you plant it and you grow it and you nourish that, that kind of impulse to leave your people better off than when they joined your company. And everything else comes from that, that truer intention to help your people. Yeah, I love that. So if you don't care about your team, you can just shut the podcast off at this point. (laughs) 
<laughs> because yeah. we're going to get into some details now on how do you actually execute on some of this stuff. So we've been talking at the theoretical level for a while. Um, I want to come back to StrengthsFinder a little bit. I love StrengthsFinder. I've had a lot of my teams over the years take the StrengthsFinder assessment. And that's, I think, kind of interesting. And I'll share some results in a minute. But I wanted to ask you, how, how have you leveraged the various strengths of different members of your team? Yeah. So I think that like, you know, first a little snippet of my journey with StrengthsFinders. I did an assessment like three years ago and I got my top five and I skimmed them and I thought, eh, cool. Felt kind of like reading a horoscope. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, all right, whatever. I'm going to get go on with my day. Um, and it, it, it made very little impact on me. Mm-hmm. And um, then a little while later, somebody from our team actually brought in a StrengthsFinder coach. Um, wonderful company named 34 Strong based out of Sacramento. We've done a lot of partnership with them since. And they came in and they actually did a half-day training with our team. And they really helped unpack what those words, what maximizer and activator actually meant. And Mm -hmm. really set the proper context for understanding why strengths, you know, what's the research that's gone into this body of work. And it really made the world of difference and being able to understand, oh, cool, this is, okay, first of all, me understanding my own strengths and developing a greater level of self-awareness as a leader and a founder of a company that like these are the ways that I've been operating. And it also explains some of the places where I don't feel as much flow in my work. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think that you first kind of, the light bulb has to go on for you first as a manager or a leader for you to understand, oh, cool. I see value in this for myself. And I see how I can actually apply this in doing better work with greater impact. Mm-hmm. Once you're rooted in that level of self-awareness and kind of your own strengths, then I think that then it becomes really fun to start having conversations with your team about their strengths. And so first, you know, actually do the assessment. Uh, B is get cure, like just start the opening the conversation with them about, okay, cool. Like, what did you actually think when you read the profile? Does that make sense? Do you see where, are you applying that in your day-to-day work? Where are you confused? And it's again, being curious about what their experience is, seeing if there's an alignment between their day-to-day responsibilities and those top five strengths. And then if there's not, that's again, that that's where this gets a little scary, right? Of like, oh no, I have somebody in their key, in a key role that isn't using any of their strengths and, and it shows they're unhappy and burnt out. That's when, you know, you, it takes maybe a little courage to say, okay, cool. How can we, how can we start to shift things a little bit to align your day-to-day workflows with your strengths? Yeah. So one of the things that I've done over the years with my own teams is is had a lot of them take the StrengthsFinder assessment. And, you know, it's always interesting in talking to the team about it. It's also something that I use with some of my coaching clients now with the Success League, because I think it can be really useful, uh, you know, if for people that are, you know, running up with against leadership challenges or are thinking about, you know, whether they're in the right role. And one of the questions I always ask is, you know, we go through one of the strengths and we talk about, you know, does this resonate with you? And asking that, does this resonate with you, brings out a lot of of ideas that that person has on, you know, how they're using that strength right now or how they're not using it right now. And sometimes the answer to that, does this resonate with you is, you know, no, it doesn't. And I'm not sure, you know, where this is coming in in my life. And, you know, usually we're talking about things at work. And so sometimes then we'll shift over to personal life and they'll be like, oh, that's where this is coming in. So not all of the strengths apply at work sometimes too. And I think that's something important to keep in mind, but um, I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, I wanted to ask you along the lines of StrengthsFinder, what are some of the strengths that you think are most important in customer success? 
Yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh, I don't know, Kristen. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what, like, I'm not sure if, because it's, there's so many different approaches to customer success. Like we can't, we don't want only CSMs who, who are really have extremely high EQs and are great with, you know, say communication and, you know, some of the influencing strengths, you know, Mm -hmm. I want somebody on my team that also has some of the analytical strengths, some of the execution strengths. Like, you know, for me as a, as a leader, it's great that I have some of the influencing strengths of activator and maximizer communicator, but I, I don't necessarily want my team to have the same strengths because then it's going to be lopsided and nobody's going to be executing on, on right. all, <laughs> all actually running the QBRs and building the systems. And so I think that you know, it's. I think it would be a false assumption to think that you only want one type of strength on a on a team of CSMs. I agree with you, and I think you know if you're one of the issues you can run into if you're trying to map everyone to the same profile is you can really miss out on some strengths that could be really beneficial to your team. Um, that said, I've done this on enough teams and people now that I think that one of the the strengths that continues to show up across really great customer success managers is learner. That one comes up all the time and it it comes up really strong in a lot of the really great CSMs that I've worked with. And I think, um, you know, in in thinking about why that is, uh, you know, it's different, you know, different strengths show up differently for different people. But what is consistent in uh, customer success is that you need to be curious and you need to be curious about your customers, you need to be curious about how to solve problems. And that's a big part of the role. And so I think people who have that learner strength, have that curiosity and want to learn what's going on and want to learn about their customers and listen to people. And that tends to make a really great customer success person. I'm going to go, I, I'm going to go run my, you know, look at my team's strengths again. And like, <laughs> Wait, let me of, know what you, you find. Have, none of you have learned. <laughs> No, I'm sure that you will find Learner. I, I've never not found that strongly across teams of CS people. Well, so as as you know, I'm I'm hiring another CSM right now, so I'll I'll be sure to be you know <laughs> having them go through StrengthsFinder. Must have for Learner. Learner. I will. <laughs> There's some other ones that show up, you know, more frequently than others, um, but that's the one that just consistently shows up. So I've been curious. I don't have enough data points for it to be statistically valid at this point, but I'm going to continue to track it. So I'd love to hear what you find from your team. So how do you make sure that you bring the right folks onto your team in the first place? So you want to be careful, like we said, about, you know, not trying to just have one kind of person on your team, but what, what do you look for? Well, you know, back to the beginning of our conversation when we talked about cutting our teeth in the restaurant industry and having a service-oriented mindset that is really about, okay, cool, I'm not sure how I'm going to get there, but I am. I, I genuinely care. I have enough empathy that I care about what other people are feeling, and I've, I have some training in how to create a really great experience for somebody else. So I think that's one of those those kind of baseline fundamentals of what I look for in a CSM. On top of that, there's different levels of, you know, let's say clarity around their ambition. So is this somebody, you know, if, if I'm hiring for a junior CSM role, I might be more open to bringing somebody in that's still maybe experimenting or with their career. Maybe they've tried sales. Maybe they didn't like that. They want to try customer success or they were in retail, let's say. Um, but for, you know, I think that, I mean, certainly as an organization right now with 15.5, I'm getting to the point where I'm I'm looking for people that are actually a little more seasoned pros that actually mm-hmm. have some of the kind of B2B SaaS experience that they can be bringing a level of knowledge and expertise to the table and teaching us a thing or two. Because I right. think that, you know, when we're, we're not a huge company, we're, I've still got a pretty small team of about four on my, on, of CSMs. 
And I really want to be increasing the the kind of knowledge, the collective knowledge and expertise pool in customer success. And I that's something that I look for in everybody that I hire is I want to leave the interview learning, having learned something that I didn't know before. Because I'm not here as a business leader to hire people to make me feel really smart. I'm, ha- I'm here to hire people that can really uh, show me, uh, not, uh, what is it? That, uh, hiring people that are smarter than yourself is a, yeah. is a surefire way to build really powerful teams. And there's a lot you know, more we could say around how do, you, how do you screen for culture fit? How do you screen for a growth mindset versus fixed mindset? You know, because I think that, you know, in fixed mindset, people can think they're just the total rock stars of like, yeah, I was a CSM at this company and I, you know, I absolutely crushed it and I'm the best thing ever. And they might have a really high opinion of themselves, but they've never really encountered failure. They've never, like, how do they respond to failure and to uh, not always having a customer renew? That's what I want to know. I want to know what happens when you spill the glass of orange juice. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say that goes back to your example of the orange juice. I think that's a really great point. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with the rest of the interview in a minute. Today, I want to share some information about the customer success workshops we offer at the Success League. Each of the classes we teach as a part of our CSM training program is also offered in a two to three hour expanded workshop format. These on-site sessions are designed to provide a rich learning experience for customer success teams and include group discussions, team exercises, and tools that team members can put to use right away. Some of the recent topics we have been addressing through these workshops are engaging executives, uncovering opportunities, building persuasion and negotiation skills, and managing time. If you have a customer success team event coming up, consider adding one of our half or full day workshops to build your group's skills and drive teamwork. I also want to mention a terrific resource from Strike Deck called The Beginner's Guide to Customer Success. This is a 200-page ebook you can download from Amazon, and it includes fantastic tips, articles, and exercises to grow your career in customer success. CSMs will find information that helps them get started in the field, and managers will gain tools they can implement to help build the customer success function within their organization. For more information about either the workshops or the ebook, you can visit thesuccessleague.io or strikedeck.com. And now back to our interview. So Shane, when we were talking about this topic, you mentioned something called a growth edge. What do you mean by that, and how does that relate to an employee's development? Growth edges, wonderful, wonderful topic. So we think of a growth edge as a personal development objective. And, you know, we kind of, we built an objectives management tool in 15.5. And so inside of that, we actually have a category for a personal development objective or a PDO. And growth edge, like where, what we, what our vision of this is and our kind of emerging management philosophy is that this is, this is the kind of intersection between where somebody wants to grow personally, like what's their personal growth trajectory and where does that match up with what the team or the company needs? Got it. Okay. So really helping people figure out, okay, great. So, you know, where, like, a, what are you struggling with in life right now? Let's say like, Mm -hmm. like where, where are you not having an awesome experience in your day-to-day work? There's a good place to start kind of excavating for what what we might turn into a growth opportunity. And so say it is, um, say for, you know, let's see, I'm thinking of a, of a recent CSM, uh, they were really nervous to lead trainings with larger companies. Okay. And so inside of that is public speaking, stage presence. Uh, there's, you know, kind of executive presence, you know, so that's mm-hmm. Kristen, we talked a lot about that. And so yeah. we took on creating a, a PDO 
around executive presence for this person. And so that was working on their public speaking. How can they have more fun with their fashion and show up looking a little sharper? How Mm -hmm. could, and then how can they go in and really create more impact in the room? And so some of the then kind of the measured results from that is like giving X number of, of in-person trainings, uh, you know, like working with a stylist. So, so there was some really fun key results that were created from that. And then, and then part of it is like having a spirit of fun and, and like, oh, cool. This isn't, this isn't just like a heavy homework assignment. Like this is my punishment for sucking. You know, this is, <laughs> this is actually an opportunity for me to step my game up and have more, more fun and more power in my work. And I love so, that. It, and again, it's, it comes back to like, sometimes this is, it's a messy process to get to what these things really are for people. Like, you know, some people are really confused about what they want in life. And I, and we probably all are at, on at certain levels and certain domains, pretty confused about what we want and how to get what we want. And so your job as a manager can be to help people sort through some of the confusions they have around what they want out of their career and out of life and Mm -hmm. serve as a coach more than just a manager. And I think that's, you know, that's being talked a lot about of this kind of shift from managers to coaches. And I'm, I'm a big fan of that because I think that it's, Again, you're going to get much greater performance from these people, and particularly with CSMs. If you're if you're helping somebody really feel alive and feel like they're on their growing edge and that they're benefiting tremendously and they're getting a lot of value from your company, they are going to pass that on to your customers. Right. Like it is culture is contagious. And so if you have a culture where people are growing and developing, and even if that's a culture on your own team, maybe maybe your company culture sucks, but you kind of carve out a little oasis with your team, that culture will transfer to your customers. They can feel an employee that is happy and engaged. Absolutely. It's really fantastic that you do all this development with the members of your team. That said, they still have metrics to achieve and goals to hit. So how do you engage CSMs around their goals? So in sales, they always talk about like, if a customer makes a request like, hey, well, can I get a discount? You know, I, you know, the AEs are trained to say, I can give you a discount. Can you get the contract signed this week? So, you know, it's like, give a little, get a little. And I think that it's, you know, it's not too dissimilar with this. It's saying, look, I'm committed to investing in your growth and development and and not, not conditionally, not saying you only get to, I'm only going to act as a coach and not a, a tyrant boss if you perform like that's not, that's not it, but it's saying I'm investing in you because I care about you and I believe in your potential and I, I'm committed to you being your best self and mm-hmm. there is clear accountability around what performance looks like and and you, for you to be able to a like a I mean it's the manager's job to create clarity around what performance looks like which I think is something that a lot of companies could probably do much better at around managing those expectations and creating clarity there for people to know whether they're performing or not performing but assuming you have a baseline of clear expectations, then it's about having continuous, honest dialogue and feedback around how they're doing. Because if you're not, if you're only checking in around their performance once, once a quarter, let alone once a year, let's just say, yeah, then you're not getting enough feedback in the system for there to be a course correction. And so that's why you know, setting goals, setting, let's say quarterly goals, but then having frequent weekly check-ins to 
assess the current state of that and the challenges and roadblocks that are occurring in the pursuit of the, those goals, then you're, you know it's going to be really hard for people to know where they stand, let alone get the kind of support they need to actually accomplish those goals. And this doesn't mean like, hey, as a manager, you need to be a babysitter and hold their hands through the whole thing. Like that's not at all what we want. We want autonomy. We want to give our people autonomy, but also we need to be there to be able to coach them and have a reliable channel for feedback so that we can engage in real time problem solving. Mm -hmm. So Shane, I want to come back to what you mentioned earlier, and that's that more engaged CSMs help to create more engaged customers. I'd like to hear some stories from 15.5. How have you seen this play out in your organization? Yeah, well, I'm really happy to say that G2 Crowd has just announced us not only as the number one performance management software nice. out of, uh, I don't know, 142 different vendors, but we also have been rated the number one in relationship satisfaction from, those, from our customers. And, that's great. You know, and I think that, that is, that's a reflection of this. That is... That shows because we've put genuine care and love into taking care of our customers. And that starts with putting genuine care and love into taking care of our people. And so I think that, you know, right there, the proof is in the pudding, as they say, and that winning awards around the great relationships and around the, the service and support that we provide, it, it really demonstrates that this is not only... Uh, you know, can help save individual customers, you can build a reputation around delivering extraordinary service. Absolutely. I think that, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, your, your product has come a long way since I was using that um, back when I was with Jazz. And I loved it even then because I felt like not only was it um, just a good product from a technology standpoint, but it it enabled those great conversations with my team. And I saw the impact that those conversations had on the employee relationships and then how that translated into the relationships with our customers. And so, you know, I, I love that you're doing that um, for yourselves and your own company as well. It's nice to see a company that I hate the phrase, but I'm going to use it anyway, eats their own dog food. Yeah. So, yeah. We <laughs> really believe that if you have better conversations, you'll have better relationships and you'll have better results yeah. across all domains of your life. Absolutely. So I know that many managers haven't really addressed employee engagement as an initiative within their company. And I think many leaders in our field, customer success, I think are really just scrambling to tackle processes and structure uh, as a way of encouraging those managers to tackle customer success team engagement. What is a good first step that they could take to kick off an employee engagement initiative? Well, I think that, you know, employee engagement, I, I, can't, I kind of even don't like that word. It's so, it's so loaded with HR speak. Yeah, it's a little cold. Yeah, it's a little cold. And I think that it, they, it even makes it sound like, well, okay, so if I'm a customer success leader and I think about an employee engagement initiative, I immediately think that that's HR's responsibility. <laughs> yes, and or but it's not. It's not. No, <laughs> no. Your people, your director, you have a disproportionate impact on your direct reports, way more than HR will ever be able to have, or people in culture will ever be able to have. And so, like in terms of kicking off an initiative, I think that it's so important. Again, choose reality, right? Like this idea of let's find out what is true. Let's not just live in our own delusions and be like, oh, yeah, my team's happy, even though I haven't really talked to them in three months. Right. Let's actually, let's, let's you know, let's, let's grab a beer. Let's uh, get a coffee. Let's, let's have a, a slightly less formal one-on-one -on -one where I can really kind of check in and I can get to know, like, yeah, like, you know, uh, one of my favorite questions is actually this idea of a stay interview where we, we have these exit interviews when somebody leaves our company and we say, great, so, you know, why'd you leave? And 
um, all these other questions. But what we should be having is we should be having stay interviews. And Mm -hmm. I got this idea from this book, Love Them or Lose Them, which is a really cool book on management. But, you know, it's about really asking the questions like, what would it take for you to stay, for you to be at 15.5 a year or two years from now? Like, what do you need to really be, be on your growing edge and deeply engaged and fulfilled in your role at this company? And you get really incredible answers because you're being proactive about saying, hey, I actually want to know the truth about how you're doing. I don't want to be one of the managers that's just going to stick my head in the sand and, you know, or one of the CSMs that's going to just close my eyes and cross my fingers that the customer is going to review. <laughs> this is proactively yeah. learning about what people want and what's going to have them feel really good about staying at your company. It's absolutely an echo of what CSM should be doing with their customers. So, you know, it's the same thing. It's being proactive. It's, um, you know, getting ahead of problems rather than waiting and reacting to problems when they happen. So I love that. I think that's great. So Shane, last question. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? One of the biggest trends that I see in customer success, and maybe this is just because it's a big trend that's up for me right now and our team, is getting much better at really understanding all of the data. Like we have a tremendous amount of data from so many different channels. We have all of our product usage data. We have customer support data. We have uh, all of the gong recordings. And, you know, there's so much information and we're just really in the process of how do we organize and orchestrate this data into meaningful actionable insights i think that's a big one i think you are not alone in that challenge (laughs) and i see that as yeah a big trend and and the more we can all get our arms around the data that we have the more we can start to anticipate customer need and create a really amazing customer experience for the people we work with. And um, so, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, you'd think that it being 2018 that we would have really figured all of this stuff <laughs> out, all the talk about big data that like you would just have one system that was the source of truth and it was always accurate and it integrated and worked seamlessly with everything else. You would think, but we we don't. <laughs> But somebody's going to make that someday, and I'm really excited for it. Shane, I can't thank you enough for agreeing to join me on the podcast today. I have really admired 15.5 for a long time, and it's a real honor to have you here today. I really appreciate this topic. I think that uh, creating paths for the people who work with you on your team is so important. And so thank you so much for your time and insights today. My pleasure, Kristen. Wonderful to work with you through the Success League and great to be on the podcast. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, please subscribe to Strike Deck Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. And finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time. Mm